0: Hello, Eddie. Hey, how's it going, Keith?
1: Pretty good, Eddie. Thank you for joining me um, on the Way Forward podcast, Forward is the Way. Um, Today we're going to talk a little bit about the financing process uh, and becoming a homeowner or even a a residential real estate investor. Um, You know, for our listeners, um, they already know that I'm a licensed real estate agent, D.C., Maryland, Virginia, and New Jersey, Um, and I want to introduce my audience to you um, as a lender and as uh, one of the, if not the most important role in home buying or investment property buying um, process. And so I wanted to start, Eddie, um, if you don't mind, just introduce us to not just you uh, and your background, but to that of your your company as well.
0: Great. Yeah, I'd be glad to cover it, and it's always exciting to um, help those of you out there that are looking to acquire a home, build wealth through home ownership along that path. So mm-hmm. my name is Jackson, uh, as you said. I'm um mortgage loan officer with Draper and Kramer Mortgage Corp., 125-year-old mortgage company, uh, direct lender. And um, I've been in the the business for 13, 14 years now, and I've, I've performed in every relevant role from loan processing to loan underwriting. And I've, I've been in the uh, in the origination side of the business for the majority of my career. But the point being is I, I understand lending from soup to nuts and and am prepared to help talk uh, anyone through it who's, who's got some interest in learning.
1: Awesome. Um, thank you, Eddie. Thank you for that. Now, just reading a little bit about you. Um, you do have a, a great deal of experience. And one of the things that stood out to me um, about you um, is that you say that you love finding solutions for clients uh, who otherwise thought they wouldn't be able to purchase homes. So you love the complicated home financing situations. Can you tell us a little bit about maybe a couple of experiences or, or an experience you had where with a client where it was indeed complicated um, and you helped them um, achieve that goal of, of buying a home? Sure,
0: um, I, I could tell you. It, in general, it's it's important for anyone buying a home to know that every lender doesn't have the same set of products. Okay, uh, no lender has them all. Um, I pride myself on knowing those, having knowing the products that I do have, and also being aware of the gaps, uh, the, the products I don't. So that when a person comes to me and shares what their their hopes are, I can uh, facil- help them facilitate those hopes and dreams by identifying the past mm-hmm. so um I think maybe the most useful solution out there to talk about that i I think um, the general public doesn't know about and if and if and if they did if you all did, and <laughs> a lot more of you would be in, investing in real estate or buying your home rather than renting it, mm-hmm. it to be clear the reason i want that is i want everybody to build wealth and ha- live better lives that's right. it. that's just the right. basis of why i wake up in the morning and do this right. so it, it, identifying those people that could buy that aren't mm-hmm. because of some missing information misconceptions mm-hmm. out there um that's that's a great way to, to to help a lot of you. So I'll talk about bank statement loans.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And they're primarily for those of you that might be business owners mm-hmm. uh, who don't report a lot of money on your tax returns, but have good cash flow.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: a high percentage of business owners are renters. Could mm-hmm. um, have the money to buy, but don't, because if you walk into A lot of institutions, if not most institutions, when they see your bank statement, I'm sorry, when they see your um, tax returns, they just tell you no and they turn you away. Right. And you forget about it. And and because of it, you're in a position where the only way you can build wealth is by by that that thing you're doing during the day that you work so hard to build. Mm -hmm. Well, um, there are a number of tools out there. there. There is no one for every solution. But bank statement loans do this they generally look at what your deposits are into your business and personal bank statements over the last 12 to 24 months. Mm -hmm. And most of these institutions that um, lend money for this product will give you credit, like your income is 50% of what your deposits are. They just assume 50% expenses. And uh, often um, you'll find a business that maybe you're not paying yourself uh, on paper but yeah. you're bit, you're running a restaurant you have lots of customers um that turns a restaurant owner into a into a in a home into a homeowner mm-hmm. and um I, that's 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 happened dozens of times where there's someone who thought they couldn't buy a home and uh they ended up we ended up having a person who has investment properties and a primary home so now you've got residual income and and, and also a person who's building home, wealth off of those homes appreciating.
1: So. Right, right. No, that's that's very good, very eye-opening. I don't think a lot of uh, small business owners, maybe entrepreneurs even know that they can use bank statements related to their business, um, you know, as a means to acquire the financing to, to become a homeowner. Um, yep. so, so that's that's good to know as well. And that actually takes me to, to, to the next thing that I really like about you and your background and what you say yourself. Um, as far as your value proposition, and that you think it's critical for a loan officer to do more than just collect a loan application and wait for a client to to go into under contract, right? Um, you talk about um, you help clients thoroughly prepare. Um, so I imagine you you can potentially do a lot of hold uh, hand holding, uh, in the process as far as helping your clients prepare. Uh, to, take, to take advantage of when it's time to submit an offer um, because you, you recognize that especially in a market like today it's a very competitive uh, market as far as even just getting under contract right so um, you know I do I do appreciate that uh, now you do say here that you believe that um, that that strategy helps best ensure that your clients will end up in their dream homes talk a little about that if you can before we go into the actual uh, financing process.
0: Yeah, so um, the um, you can assume that in most homes, uh, for most homes, there's going to be um, more than one person that wants to buy them, uh, wants to buy that home.
1: Right. um,
0: Generally speaking, the person that wins the home is the one who prepares the best. Right. Uh, Preparation is about doing all the things that that you can – that have to be done during the mortgage process up front. So um, most mortgage people know what needs to be done. A small percentage of them do that due diligence and push the envelope with it before an offer is submitted. Mm -hmm. And um, most clients uh, don't know that that's how you you get the advantage. So – like most things in life, your 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 advantages, your opportunities come from education. I educate my clients on what they need to do uh, mm-hmm. to put themselves in the best position to be successful, mm-hmm. and then beyond that, I just help facilitate it. Wow. Um, so, um, it, and and it it generally works out, works out well for everyone.
1: Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about that. Putting your clients in a position to be successful. You know whether that's in the immediate future or if it's going to take some time because there's some steps they need to take to maybe improve um, their credit, um, things of that nature. Uh, so as we go go into the mortgage process, talk a little bit about you know some advice you can give our listeners on what they can do in preparation before they even apply for a mortgage. If they're, if they're to that to that listener right now that's thinking about home ownership, um, they they have that that drive that desire to become a homeowner. Um, or even have that driving desire. They're already a homeowner, maybe they want to, you know, buy an investment property. What are some steps that people in those positions can take to better prepare themselves before they even, you know, apply for a mortgage?
0: Yeah. So step there. There are two major steps. Number one, gathering your current information, making sure you know what your position is, and that means knowing what your income is, understanding. Knowing what all of your assets are, knowing where where an old 401k might be, what the balance of it is, mm-hmm. um, knowing what's on your credit report. So, uh, maybe downloading the Experian app, um, identifying what derogatory information might be there, um, so that when you do step two, calling for calling to have an assessment. Um, we we can have a very clear, candid conversation, right? Mm-hmm. And the o- only thing you're you're learning in that conversation is how the rules of lending are inter like are are interpreted um, as we look at your specifics. You 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 shouldn't be learning that you have medical collections when you call someone to yeah. ask about the mortgage. Right, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. knowing that is like knowing, you know whether or not you brush your teeth that morning. That's your information. You should know it, right? right. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you have if anyone in my experience that has any hesitancy with getting crystal clear on their situation, that's mm-hmm. the person who needs to do it most. Okay. So one or two so, people, are, two types of people are listening to this. Okay. The person that knows their situation inside and out mm-hmm. and the person that really doesn't at all. You know your situation inside and out. You're ready for a consultation. You just have to decide what you want to do. Do I want to buy an investment property? Do I want to move up? Do I want to move down? That's easy. That's real estate. The, the person doesn't know these things, don't wait. Do it today. Right. When Write it down. Download the Experian app. Do what you have to do to see your credit report. Look. Because you can call us. We can talk you through what your problems are. And 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 whether your solution is, is a month away or three years away. The fact is if you're if your if your if, if your process is three years, the longer you wait to start the three year walk, the older you're gonna be when you start it. Right. So
1: so that's been Yeah. Um so that's that's a good point, Eddie. Um it is it is possible to get an assessment done prior to um completing an application.
0: Yes, that's correct. And I'll I'll um when when a person comes to me with all their details,
1: right, there's not much mm-hmm.
0: I can tell a person who doesn't know their situation.
1: Right.
0: But for a person who does know their situation, um, inside and out, then I can g I'm gonna give you advice about whether or not you should apply that day. Mm-hmm. Depending on the other things that you've told me. Your right. timeline what's what might be changing your life soon? Are you paying down debt currently? are you ch- taking a new job mm-hmm. I- I'm going to take all that information and tell them, you know if I were in your shoes, this is what I would do and why okay and that's that's the real expertise like getting the mortgage is a commodity um, but but the, the 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 expertise is is how you benefit from from my my years of experiences.
1: Okay. Nice. Okay, so let's say so let's say our our, our hypothetical listener, uh, maybe they're getting an assessment done um prior to maybe they don't, maybe even prior to even reaching out regarding an assessment or application, they they confirm their income, um, they they scour their credit, um so they can make sure that they're thoroughly aware of what's going on with their credit, where their credit scores are at. Yeah. Um right. Uh and then you know, they they reach out about an assessment or they even reach out about an application at this point. Um, what does that process look like um as far as getting to the point of applying and, and getting pre approval?
0: Yeah. So we have a quick conversation about what's going on, what their goals are, what their concerns are.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: um if if the right thing to do at that time is to apply, I'm gonna direct you to my website. Um my experience is um, to to get through the mortgage process
1: mm-hmm.
0: and at the pace that you need to get through it to have your offer accepted you have to be able to use the technology mm-hmm. and when a person applies at the beginning that's an indicator for me that helps me understand whether or not there's a, there's a challenge with technology and if there's a challenge with it um, it doesn't mean we can't work around it I, I do a few times a month but mm-hmm. I can't help you work through things I don't know. My business is very much about identifying the problem mm-hmm. in, in a whole, in a number of different spheres, identifying the problem, solving for the problem, right? It's like every, 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 every person, it, it, I look at them like a mechanic looks like looks at a car, right? Mm-hmm. There there there's, there's something going on that like if, there there's something going on to get you that that I've got to identify and get fixed to get you driving safely on the road and um it it's not necessarily going to be written on your door
1: mm-hmm.
0: so I have to I have some it might be it might be not being able to use technology it might it might be variable income like your your income's not straightforward whatever it is you probably don't know what it is cuz you don't know the rules right So I have certain steps in place to help me diagnose the problem as early as Mm -hmm. possible, right? We don't want problems coming up when you're in contract. We want to identify them before. And and my ability to do that on a consistent basis has given me a reputation in this market. So when a listing agent sees my name attached to something, and I say that you're good, they know that I've gone through all that. A lot of large, large percentage of the market knows that I've done that, so they feel comfortable that if I tell them that you're going to close in 25 days, you will.
1: Right. Right? Now, yeah. now it sounds like I just we're still at the beginning of the, the mortgage process here. And just for those listeners, who I actually had someone reach out to me, Eddie, about buying the home, and they did not know. What, and I, I asked them were they pre-approved or pre-qualified. Um, they did not know what I was referring to. Um, I asked them. Um, I, I went on to explain how they've been pre-approved for a mortgage. They did not know what a mortgage was. Um, mm-hmm. It, it, it kind of caught me off guard, to be honest with you. Um, yep. can you. Can you can we just back up a little bit and can you just tell explain to the audience, you know what a mortgage is, um, you know what pre-approval or pre-qualification is uh, and what they each mean. Um, I've had situations where you know, a a lender pre-qualified someone, and I was always under the impression that a pre-approval was stronger than a pre-qualification. So just, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, because I learned in that process that for that particular lender, their pre-qualification serves their pre-approval. So we could just back up a little bit, explain to the audience what what an actual mortgage is, uh, you know, why it's it's important, why it's necessary, um, and then the difference between pre-approval and pre-qualification you know, once you actually uh, apply for a mortgage? Sure.
0: Um, so when a person goes to buy a home, um, often they don't have the money in their account to buy that home with cash, right? So a mortgage is a loan to help you acquire something that you don't have or don't want to use the cash to purchase. You want to buy a $300,000 home, but you only have 3500 or five thousand. That means you need a mortgage to make up the difference between what you can pay and what the thing you want costs. Similar to buying a buying a car. You're not you're getting a car loan for the difference between what you pay out of pocket and what the car costs. So terminology, pre qualification means that an application has been submitted. You you you've stated either in writing or verbally what you think your income is, what what you think your assets are. And a decision has been made on whether or not you're approved, if all of those things prove to be true when doc when 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 the app the numbers and information stated on the application are backed up with documentation. Hmm. Pre qualification means that there has been no documentation to back up what's on the application. Oh. Okay. Okay. For that reason, you probably, in this market, in the D.C. area market, you're never going to have your offer accepted if your letter says pre-qualification. Pre-approval means that the lender has taken the time to look at your documents and verify the information that's on the application, update it with the documents. It means that a loan officer has, in effect, underwritten the file. Now, loan officers generally are not trained to underwrite files, so every pre-approval is not the same.
1: So, um, I think when you, say, when you say underwrite files, just clarify what that means for the audience.
0: Uh, underwrite me. So, so a role in the mortgage process is a, an underwriter. The underwriter is the person who applies the rules of lending the rules of the product that you're using, of the type of loan you're using to your situation, and, com- and basically at the end stamps your loan approved and says you can have the money. Okay. Now the loan officer is attempting to do what the underwriter does just up front. Okay? Okay. So if your lender uh, doesn't know how to underwrite a file yet, uh, and, and this only comes with years of experience, and they might get it wrong. That's important for you to know as a consumer when you're choosing your lender, knowing that I think most consumers think that rate is the only thing that matters. Um, the expertise matters because when your offer gets submitted and the agent that is listing, listing the home you want to buy looks at your offer, they're not assessing you. They're assessing whether or not they should believe your lender when they say that you're quote unquote pre-approved.
1: Well, that's a good point. Yeah.
0: Okay. It's not. They don't know you. They're not going to look at your pay stubs. Right. They're 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 deciding whether or not your lender has enough experience to trust them. Right. So I uh, close eighteen to twenty deals a month. Right. Um. It, over the course of a year, I'd probably a hundred and ten deals. And out of those 110, I might get three that go awry because a consumer does something in the middle of the process that I just couldn't couldn't have anticipated. Right. And the, you know, part of my expertise is knowing how to help that person still get their home anyway. Maybe right. I send them to another lender. But the the point being, my ratio—if it's three of those out of every 110, and those three still get done—that's what a realtor cares about. Right. There are there are lenders that one out of every four go back. Right? right. They're trying to figure out who that is and not take that offer.
1: Right. And I and I assume so when when we make offers on behalf of clients, even when we accept offers on behalf of client clients, because of what you're saying, we want to have a conversation with the lender. We want to make a call to the lender to get a feel for um their their experience, their their vetting process, their, their closing ratio like you just alluded to. Uh, before we even either accept an offer um, or we know that that, that an offer we, we put on a property for a client is undergoing that same scrutiny. Um, a, a lot of that uh, takes place just so the audience knows, um, you know, more than likely when you're making an offer on, on a home, uh, prop, when that offer is under consideration, um, you know, with other offers, um, if it arises to the top, it's competitive, um, that agent representing that seller is more than likely going to be making calls to lenders uh, to get to the bottom of what Eddie is just uh, was just referring to. So just know that as well. And that's why what Eddie is saying um, in a nutshell is your lender matters um, in, in that regard as far as getting your offer accepted. Um, and even when I'm listing a property, if I'm getting offers and they rise to the top as far as, um, uh, competition. I am calling those lenders as well to to get to the bottom of that. Um, but it sounds like what you're saying. I actually want to move on to the the application and processing uh, process uh, for our listeners. Um, but it sounds like it's very important that people have at least a consultation, have at least a conversation. I know some people who are afraid to even get to that point. Never mind, you know, applying. You know, they're afraid to even, you know, get to the point of at least having a conversation with the lender because they're already making judgments about their financial situation. And I always tell people, if you're making those judgments, even if you kind of have an idea that you're not ready financially, it's better to at least have that conversation, possibly this assessment, um, as you're talking about even a consultation, so you can for sure know where you are and the steps that you need to take and, and not all lenders, Eddie, do that. I can tell you right now from dealing, not all lenders will give people, you know, steps that they or advice that they can take to improve their qualification, um, you know, their eligibility uh, to, to qualify for a home. So I definitely appreciate you being a lender who has experience and who does that. Um, but I want to make sure our listeners know if you're in that particular position right now, and you're questioning, you know, your ability, your eligibility, at the very least, have a conversation confirm where you are and the steps that you need to take to improve um, your eligibility so that you can get on the path to home ownership. Um, is that correct, is, Eddie? Is that Eddie? the same thing off there? You can correct me if I'm wrong.
0: Yeah, no, you're right on. I, I think um, I look at it like um, it's just like going to the doctor, you know. You can't, um, you can't, Life is going to be shorter and less enjoyable if you're not going to do certain basic things. One of them is getting your annual checkup, particularly as you get older. And this is like a financial well-being checkup, right? If you're Mm -hmm. so far from being able to buy a home to, to where you don't even want to look, that's like being so unhealthy to where... You just accepted death, and you don't want to go to the doctor.
1: Oh wow, that's a good point. The same
0: thing. Yeah. And, and it doesn't. It's and it's it's. I can. I know how you can get there because I've been through the whole cycle, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but if if that's you, um, like if it's not you, then then you're gonna be fine. Like you're. That means you're going to buy a home, and you're on top of your stuff. Right. For those of you who who otherwise might spend their life renting it's it's important uh to know that um it's it's not good right like life gets harder and harder post retirement if you haven't taken steps to build wealth. Mm-hmm. the fact is people are living longer and longer you know so right. so how do you how do you if you don't have a pension how do you avoid working at the grocery store when you're eighty five if you don't want to do that. If you're right. not if, if you're if, if you're if you're giving up on home ownership while you have a job. Right. And this is what it's about. It's about building wealth. It is a game. Build right. as much wealth as you can with your time so that when you don't want to work anymore or you can't work, that you you're not reliant on on charity right. to 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 survive. You want the highest quality of life possible for your entire life, and particularly post-retirement. And there is nothing that determines that, like your credit health and whether or not you bought a home. If you're not even looking, you're losing time while you're not looking. Like you you have to rip that Band-Aid off, find out what the problem is. Some I remember being a kid and thinking like, oh, it'd only be seven years. Seven years, Mm -hmm. how long that is.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. And it's and it's. Do you know how much money gets made and lost in seven years? If you bought a just an inexpensive, if you bought a three hundred thousand dollar home, if it appreciated at five percent per year, right? That's fifteen thousand dollars in the first year, and it goes up from there. So. The most conservative number, fifteen times seven. is seven is a hundred thousand dollars in equity. Wow. To, to be willing to give up seven years is like giving up a hundred grand. If you could give up a hundred grand, you don't have a credit problem anyway. If you have a credit issue, you cannot afford
1: to forego a hundred thousand dollars over seven years. Right. That's a good point. I don't care who you are. Right, that's a good point. And and I definitely wanna I want to get into the application and processing um part because um I want to get deeper and deeper under the hood um, because I've had clients who, you know, have applied, have gotten approved, and then we get into the underwriting, we get into the processing, and, and things come up. So I think that's important to at least get through that. But just to, to piggyback what Eddie is saying, have that conversation, know what's going on. Um, like you said, know what's under that Band-Aid. Uh, and improving your your financial position so that you can become a homeowner will have ramifications for your your, your total financial situation. Right, you can put all your whole financial situation into perspective, and hopefully, you know, maybe have some behaviors that that might be, you know, um, you're not working to your benefit. You know, correct it and things like that, and maybe some course correction in terms of, um, you know, different decisions and things that you're doing with your money. So, having that conversation, seeing where you are, seeing where you need to be, seeing what you need to do to get to where you need to be, is very important. Um, and, and, and Eddie talked about building wealth. I'll just say this, Eddie. You know, I work for Nationwide for my day job. I work in the retirement space. I had a wonderful conversation uh, with an employee in Maryland. Um, they did a, they, they did a phenomenal job as far as sacrificing, saving, working multiple pension-paying jobs and whatnot, and really put themselves in a good path on a good path to retire in a very good position. Um, and was a homeowner and was talking about the home will be paid off in I think six or seven years or something like that. Um, and possibly using that, the proceeds from that home to, that, to downsize and then using the excess proceeds to even, you know, further um, finance and, and, and supplement their retirement savings as well. And so there's a whole host of ramifications that can improve your financial position um, by engaging in home ownership, and the sooner the better. Just like in retirement, for, in retirement savings, Eddie, the, the sooner you start contributing to a retirement plan, um, you know the better the better you'll be positioned position to grow your retirement account from the compounded gains year over year, so that by the time you get to retirement, you'll have more than enough to finance your lifetime retirement. But I don't want to go down that path. Let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about same thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about the application process and then the processing of that application.
0: Okay, so applications, pretty simple stuff. Mm-hmm. Just know where you've lived and worked for the last twenty four months. Now, keep in mind, everything that you're asked and when going through a mortgage, like you're asked for very specific things, and you have to be prepared to give very specific answers. So when I say the last 24 months, it's not the last 23, that's really important. Being precise is going to be the difference between whether or not you have a problem as you're packing your thing. Mm-hmm. A lender is taking your word for some things. So when they say 24 months, and you write 24, but you meant 20 because it was close, it's going to cause you a problem that you're not going to know about, and no one will know about it until it's too late. Mm-hmm. Be precise on your application, okay? Mm-hmm. Where you've lived and worked for the last 24 months, you're going to be asked to document it. So you get a get a pre-approval letter. Right. You're typically if you're a W-2 employee and you're typically being asked for 30 days of pay stubs, two years of W-2s, picture of your driver's license, and all pages of your bank statement for the last two months. All pages. If you're self-employed, you're usually being asked for that bank stub, the bank statement, the the driver's license, in two years of tax returns, all pages, personal and federal. Okay? So it's better for you if you pull your documents together. So you apply. You upload those documents securely through a portal. They get reviewed with me. It's one business day, and I'll come back and say I have questions or I don't. And you're pre-approved.
1: All right. Is that clear? Yep, that's clear. Um, and so that 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 covers the application. You know, I had I had an interesting question. I thought there's some people who let's say they have they purchase a car. There's more people looking for different ways to earn some additional income. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, each week or or a month, what have you. Um and so I had an interesting question. So what if someone purchased a car um and they have a large car note but they rent out their car? You know, how is the 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 note looked at as far as I know you're looking at debt to income ratios and things like that, how is that note factored in compared to if they can show on a month by month what they actually earn via Via the rental income from the vehicle, is that, is that even taken into consideration that rental income from the vehicle, or is just no this payment is what you're responsible for each month? So, um, in, in I have not yet
0: seen someone make enough income from doing that to where it uh it was relevant. Okay. With that said, there there, there are lots of scenarios I haven't seen yet. Someone was renting a car and making and making income off of it, and you'd have to show two years of history on your okay. taxes you got to report it you're not telling the federal income the federal government about it, it doesn't exist is 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 generally the rule with that okay. said um, every so if, if you put together a fund yourself and decided to lend money mm-hmm. to people buying homes within reason you can make up your own rules right so somebody could decide to make. Somebody could decide to do that tomorrow, right? And because somebody decided to do it, have some rules that let you consider it in a different way, then now it exists. So the point I guess the point I'm trying to make is it's not um there's nothing set in stone, rules are subject to change. Some would be someone could come up with some mortgage company that doesn't exist today or does that I don't know about. But generally speaking, generally meaning, ninety eight percent of the money is going to come from Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and FHA. And all three of those institutions look at this the same way, two years of history and your tax returns to look at it.
1: Okay. Okay. So before we move on from the application into the processing and everything, what what are you looking for when you when people are uploading their documents and filling out their applications? I know I, I mentioned debt-to-income. So what, what's an appropriate, say, debt-to-income ratio? What is uh, the debt-to-income ratio, just so people can know?
0: Um, it varies. I, could, I would say uh, you're not going to see many people get approved if they're looking to borrow more than 58% of their monthly gross income, so the monthly income before taxes. Right. Okay. Um, it's getting into the weeds.
1: Right, I was, right.
0: I, I've never – not once have I seen someone benefit from calculating their own debt to income before calling me. Right, okay. If anything, I worry that somebody doing it wrong is uh, like one or two things happen. They walk in and they think they know the dollar amount and they're right. like, hey, they're, they want to tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> right. right, right, right. Or, 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 or what's, what's even worse, because I can, talk, I can talk that person out of it if if need be. Um, what I'm more concerned about is there's somebody who I could find a way to get them approved and they don't because they calculated it themselves. Right. and They were wrong. But um, let's just say, generally speaking, anything over 60%, 58% of your monthly gross income is too much. uh, Because even in that situation, most of us are paying a 25% tax rate. So you're only bringing 75% home. And if your bills are 58%, and you have very that would mean you have very little money for food, uh, etc. We don't we don't we don't even factor those those day-to-day living expenses in. We look okay. at the monthly debts that are on your credit bureau report, mm-hmm. along with the housing payment,
1: and okay. those
0: monthly bills with your housing payment combined sh- shouldn't exceed that number.
1: Okay, all right. So let's take people into the process. So you've had your your conversation in consultation with Eddie, you filled out the application online, you've uploaded all of your documents, Eddie has reviewed it, Eddie has issued a pre-approval, and now you're shopping for a home based on what you've been pre-approved for. And uh, I I like to distinguish two things. Obviously, you know, having a finance background, Eddie and I have talked about this. You know, I just want the listeners to know, just because you've been pre-approved for an amount doesn't mean you have to buy a home um, worth that amount. Right or at that amount, right? You've been pre-approved for five hundred hundred thousand doesn't mean you need to spend five hundred thousand, right? You know right. I'm always conscious. I'm always conscious that and, and, and my clients will tell you tell you to the extent they they invite me into their financial situation. Um, one of the things that do, that does separate forward and me from other agents, other other brokerages is that we offer complimentary financial planning services, right? We offer a complimentary financial assessment prior to the transaction. We offer a complimentary, uh, comprehensive financial plan post transaction, right? So I'm always conscious of what. How does that mortgage payment impact your ability to save for? You guessed it, retirement. You know, um, how how does it um, impact your ability to save for your emergency savings? To make sure your insurance premiums are paid, to make contributions to 529 plans should you want to contribute to your kids you know, um, you know, financing your kids, college education, things like that. I'm always thinking about that to the extent that the clients invite me in. And there's some clients that they say, hey, we just want the real estate services. We, we don't want you to be a financial planner. And right. that's fine. But I do want to, you know, take a moment to draw that distinction that just because you're pre-approved for a certain amount does not mean you need to spend that amount. And it does not necessarily mean you need to buy now. That's one, because once you lock into a mortgage, you can't go to your 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 uh, your mortgage company and say hey, I, I need to catch up on my retirement savings or my emergency savings. Can you, can we reduce my payment by five hundred dollars for a year or two? Right. Sure. Whereas with the lease, you can say you know what I need to catch up on a couple of the other things. Let me downsize, get a smaller place, give me a, a more affordable place, so I can make these payments. So, I think that's I take pride in that, Eddie. So that's why I wanted to mention that because I'm not an agent that's just out here chasing commissions, right? Yep. I, I will tell you straight up if you invite me in. Just because you're pre-approved and we look at other areas, it may not be best to buy right now, you know. Um, or you've been pre-approved for this amount, it may not be best to spend this amount, right. And so I want to draw that distinction. But now we're at the place where they have been, people have been pre-approved by stopping for a home, they, we've written a contract, we put put an offer on a home, that offer has been accepted. Now they're under contract, what's next from a lending perspective?
0: Yeah, you can think of it. as kind of like
1: in football
0: when you hand the running back the ball. That's mm-hmm. when the lender really gets to it. So, from a from a consumer perspective, it really is just about following instructions. That's it. Mm-hmm. It can be really, really easy. Like okay. so, so, step one. Let's just talk about steps. Mm-hmm. You you sign you ratify a contract. I get it. I look at the contract for all the dates and dollars that matter that are specific to this. Transaction. When? What are the contingency dates? What's the? When does your your loan have to be financed by? When does the underwriter have to approve your your financing by? Uh, when does the appraisal have to be back? Um, you're, you're relying on your lender to to deliver on certain dates, right? It's a contract. It's date sensitive. So I'm going to look at it. Put that information into your. Uh, loan application and issue loan disclosure specific to the purchase price, down payment, etc., um, that, that are all listed in the contract. Right. The consumer would get um, an email inviting them to log into the portal where they uploaded their documents and they just click through and e sign their documents, just saying uh, to us that they agree to proceed, have us proceed with processing their loan. At this point, there are only two documents they have to print and sign, and even those ones can be – you can take a picture with your phone and, and upload through the app on the phone. So your, your, your disclosures have been issued. They're signed. I've ordered your appraisal, meaning there's a third party that we've uh, hired to go out to the property, look at homes similar to the one that you've, you're buying that have sold within the last six months, and extrapolate the value uh, of of the home based upon that, and hopefully uh, there are there are other homes that have that have sold that that are similar to the one you're buying that support the value that the seller wants to get for the home, and you've agreed to buy it for. Um, but but those things and a number of other things are happening in the background. The lender is managing the title company. We we're kind of like the hub for everything that ne- needs to get done. Um,
1: right. right.
0: It, what a buyer is experiencing after signing those documents is really just waiting for your email of what questions you need to answer. That's yeah. it. And for a buyer to be successful, all you have to do is check your email every day. Mm-hmm. When something is needed, my processor, Nicole, will email, email you. And she'll email you for something very specific. And it's right. very important that you deliver exactly what she asked for. Right. And if you have questions about it,
1: like anything,
0: just ask.
1: Right, I and, I wanna, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I want to. Yeah, and I want to. I want to touch on something that I think is very important, and especially in this market that we're in right now, because you've probably um, had a lot of clients that are making, trying to make as competitive of offers as they can in this market, and so they're waiving things like an appraisal contingency. Right, they're going beyond just a, a, a waving you know, home inspection contingency. Right. Right. But they're they're actually waiving financing contingencies. They're waiving appraisal contingencies. Right. So if you can just talk a little bit about, you know, what the difference is between the offer price and yeah. and what it actually what the property actually appraises for and how the contingency plays a role, you know, in the transaction and can can impact the transaction. I, I know I could speak to it from an agent perspective, but I I I am interested in hearing it from a lender's perspective. How do you view contracts where you can see clearly financing and appraisal contingency has been waived? Here you are ordering an appraisal. You're dealing with the appraisal coming in. You know what the offer price is. Just take us a little bit into that. Sure. So um, macro view, um,
0: what a home appraises for at any point in time is just a snapshot. Right. Mm -hmm. A, A snapshot based upon what has happened. Real value of a home is what you're willing to pay for it. Like anything else. Right. Now the past to it it gives us a conservative view of what it's worth. What it's really worth is what you're willing to pay for it. Because the minute you pay that for it, now that's a part of somebody else's appraisal. Right. And the values of homes like yours just got impacted by what you just did. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now supply demand, the marketplace determines what it's worth. Past values, again, Past home sales dictate what the appraisal is going to say. Current demand determines what the home will sell for. In a market where there's a housing crisis, meaning there's there's not, we've been we have a, as a country have been building far fewer homes than we need for years, right. by the millions, and it's finally caught up to us. We have way too many, way more people that can and want to buy homes than there are homes to sell. So as a result, the demand is much higher than the supply, and the values of the home are going to outpace appraisals in some cases, particularly in an environment where the the median income is high relative to the country and the world. Median income in in Northern Virginia is something like $120,000, one hundred and twenty thousand, one right. hundred ten thousand. So you got lots of families that can pay the difference. Right. So, um, a, appraisal. Let's talk about what the appraisal contingency is, so that we can uh, we're clear on what the waiver means. The purpose of an appraisal contingency is, you you as a buyer, you're putting yourself in a position so that if that home does not appraise for what you agreed to pay for it, then you you have an opportunity to renegotiate. Okay, in, in this particular case. Often there are, there's one or more offers where a person is willing to waive the appraisal contingency, which means it doesn't matter what it appraises for. They understand that someone's willing to pay this price, and they're, they they want to be the one to win the home, so so they're willing to do it. Because they don't somebody else would, and that right. that's where the real value comes comes in. There's more than one person that's willing to pay that. That's what it's worth. Excellent. So it, in some markets. You'll, you'll find that um, if you're going into it with just three three percent down, and you can't make up the difference between a, a home appraising less for what 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 you're buying it for. You know, the, a person that can is going to win that home, right. right? They they position themselves to do it, and they're going to get something you can't get as a result. Right. right? Um, so there's nothing wrong with that. The market tells you it, it's great for people that own homes. It's a reason. That it makes sense to be a homeowner. Now, they, there may be some reasons you could think a person could think of for not being a homeowner. Just generally speaking, owning an asset that is in limited supply that other people need and want um, is a good position to be in.
1: Right, and there and there are some sellers right now that maybe did not even did not plan to sell sell their homes right now, but because they're seeing um, their neighbors sell their homes at. You know, such high prices because of, of the appreciation over the past, you know, 12 to 18 months. Yeah. They're considering bringing their home to market so they can, just like a, if a stock runs up, like recently GameStop, you want to, and you want to take some of the, you want to take the gains, you know, um, sell the stock sell the stock while it's high. Same thing. You want to sell this asset, your home, while it's at a, it's at a high price um, because should the market come back down, you don't know when next it's going to reach that height or, or beyond. So, you know, it definitely makes sense. I just want to be clear because I'm seeing this a lot in the market. You know, put some numbers behind it. Let's just say you make an offer on a home at five hundred thousand dollars, and perhaps even the comps. So, the, the, those neighboring homes that have sold in the past six months match that that listing price and and, and that offer price that you're making at five hundred thousand. Um, but someone comes in and also offers you know five seventy five for that home, right? but the home only appraises for that 500,000 that means they're on the hook for the difference if they waive that appraisal contingency they're on the hook for the difference of the 575 and the 500 so they've got to bring that additional liquidity that additional capital 75,000 to the table out of pocket to make that transaction work that's correct well if you were putting minimum
0: down that's the case mm-hmm. but there's another right. another way to look at it Okay. Uh, because I had this happen on a deal that's that's closing uh I wanna say Tuesday or Wednesday. Okay. Um uh, I had a customer who was buying a home for like five uh fifty, I wanna say,
1: 5
0: mm-hmm. or, or five ninety mm-hmm. and he was putting twenty percent down mm-hmm. in the appraised for five fifty. Okay. Now now the twenty percent down meant he was buying a home with no private mortgage insurance, right? incur... Mm-hmm a monthly cost of private mortgage insurance is in, in most cases if you're not putting 20% down. Mm-hmm. All the low appraisal meant was he was putting the same amount down, but now he had an extra $82 a month until he has 20% equity based upon what the home appraised for.
1: His right. cash okay. out of pocket did not change. Right, okay. Okay? So, so he was able to apply the down payment to the difference.
0: Well, I mean, it's, It's
1: the same down
0: payment. It's just Mm -hmm. it's based upon my sales price can't be higher than or or let's say um, my loan Mm -hmm. can't be more uh, in this particular case than 95% of what it appraised for. Right. When the appraisal came in, we took 95% of what it appraised for and that max number was still higher than what he wanted to borrow. Oh, okay. That's what matters.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: What's the maximum percentage that that person can borrow of the home value? Okay. And if – now, it doesn't matter what the home appraises for as long as that person still wants to borrow less than that max percentage of the home value. Okay. So most people, when they're going in with no appraisal contingency, Usually, they're putting ten fifteen percent down anyway you You don't right. do that on your first home in most cases mm-hmm. most people you you that wealth the people that can do that they usually built that wealth from the last home that they bought that's yep. it that. they're just reinvesting some money they earned to get what they want, so they've that component too right yeah, people that point. pay more you're paying more because you want what you want. I could find cheaper sneakers to wear than the one I, ones I wear, but I want what I want, right? So you are getting you you get you get it. Some for some people, it's a house, a school district, a neighborhood, um, mm-hmm. and um, that makes sense. I, like the the things that I've acquired, my house, my school district, my neighborhood are amongst the, the material things that are most meaningful to
1: me. Right. No, that's just, that's definitely a good point. Definitely a good way to look at it. Yeah. So so, so we've gotten through the appraisal. Uh, we talked about um, a little bit about the underwriting um, process. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a client. I don't want to go too deep in the woods here. Um, mm-hmm. I had a client that got, got deep into the underwriting process. A couple of liens turned up, um, you know, that she had not seen or, or at least wasn't aware of, and um, those had to be resolved. Can you just, just touch on that? You know, some things come up in the underwriting process. I, um, you know, that that may not have been discovered early on or aware of early on, how are those things addressed when things come up in, in that process?
0: Really no differently than they should be day one. Here, Here's the fact. Okay.
1: oh, The
0: underwriter in most cases is just looking at what, what we could see day one.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, um, the, the, I think this just comes back to the lender,
1: right?
0: So they're, So there could be a lien on title, that would be one thing, that would only come up when the title report came back. Mm -hmm. If there's a judgment on the credit, then the judgment was probably on the credit when you applied. Now we're just getting back to the loan officer, right? A loan officer could issue you a pre-approval letter, in most cases, without looking at your credit or your pay stubs. A letter could say pre-approved. You're looking at somebody for a judgment call. And you have the freedom to do whatever you want to do. Right? No. So so, so it, 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 any any anything that could happen will happen. Right? The yeah. fact is if you if you have a judgment just use that for example. And I I click the button to send your information through the automated underwriting system. You get an approval or a decline, right? But you may get an approval with some conditions. An automated underwriting system may pick up that judgment and may tell you how to resolve it, tell the loan officer how to resolve it. It may not pick it up, and and the the loan officer may not read through to the credit report to see it and bring it up to you, right, and resolve it. But the underwriter will. So if it came up in your quote-unquote findings when you went through this automatic underwriting system and it was written there but the under, but the loan officer didn't read it and talk to you about it, that's possible. It happened to probably 75% of loan officers that exist because generally you're salespeople. You're not good at reading in detail. <laughs> it's it's important when you do anything in life to, know, to have realistic expectations, like to know what people are to have a sense of where they might make a mistake. And the better you, you, you can anticipate that stuff, the better you, you can save yourself embarrassment just by just helping to make sure that those people are doing the things that you worry that they might not as a consumer, right? Right, right. And it really comes back to what did I say they should do before they call for their assessment? They, they should know nope. their no, situ- situ- no, situation. Yep, try to be a, yeah. Yeah. So so you should call up talking about the judgment. Right. You should. Yeah, that's a good point.
1: Yep. So we talked about uh having that assessment or a consultation prior to application, applying, okay. pre approval versus pre qualification, the application process, processing, um, you know, some point between uh you know, you get under contract and while that's going on your your mortgage interest rate is being locked in, uh you're having an appraisal done, you're going through underwriting. Now you're making it to the finish line, you're three days out, you're getting your closing disclosure, and you're at the closing table um Is there anything else towards the end of that process that our listeners should know?
0: just that
1: um, um the
0: the 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 federal government dictate dictates a lot of how the mortgage process goes okay and the way it's built
1: it's it's
0: not unusual with uh, lenders trying to help you win win your home uh, by delivering on these really short timelines um it's just not unusual for a customer to know the exact dollar to bring to the table the day before so um it it is it is wise to number one have all put all the money that you're going to need into the account you're going to use to wire the funds as early as possible,
1: mm-hmm.
0: before you go on the contract. If you can certainly start that process immediately when you go on the contract. Doing moving money around at the last minute is going to guarantee that you're getting your final dollar amount due to closing at the last minute. So the more more things you could do at the beginning, the the better you're positioning your lender to go through all the question and answer well before you're at the closing table, okay? And uh, most of us have never done a wire before, and wiring money is the preferred method for title companies, it's the preferred method for the process of buying a home. Right, it's secure and quick, and uh, allows you to move move large amounts of money. It, it is wise as early as possible to, to inquire about that process. It's just a call to your bank.
1: Right?
0: Can I wire? Can I issue a wire from my from my computer at home? If so, what's the timeline? And what most of you are probably going to find is, if you request a wire at nine o'clock in the morning, it'll be where you wanted to be by eleven. Right. And knowing that that's the case will relieve you of the anxiety that you might otherwise feel about knowing that number sooner than you're going to get it.
1: Right.
0: And identifying if your lender is not the type to be able to allow you to wire quickly, again, will help you make a decision about where you're moving those funds to as you prep to um, send your have your money sent over um, on the closing day. Right. If you have three banks, use the one that lets you wire right away, you know, from your computer without having to walk into a bank, is, is my advice.
1: Right. Well, as we wrap up, Eddie, again, thank you for joining me. Thank you for taking this time out. And my good day. I know you're busy. I really appreciate it. I just want to leave the people um, with a little bit of information, you, you know, because there might be some listeners that are thinking about now, you know, contacting you, thinking about now going through. An assessment, uh, filling out the application, and I just want to reiterate um, that I will make your presentation available, um, you know, to complement this podcast, so people can listen to it. They can also review your pres- your PowerPoint presentation. Um, but I just want to make sure people are aware, as you as they as they might be kind of digging into their own financial situation and looking at their their FICO score and whatnot. That sixty five percent sixty five percent of their FICO score. It's comprised of 35% being the payment history, so on-time payments, and 30% being the amounts owed, so low credit balances are best. Um, and, and then the rest is made up of their, the length of their credit history, any new credit, and their credit mix. And so I just want to make sure listeners are aware of that. Continue to make your payments on time. Um, keep your, your credit balances low. Um, make sure you know all of your income income sources. Um, you know, I want to make sure you have that information. But Eddie, I want to give you the chance to, as we wrap up. Any you know, as far as the do's and don'ts, or anything you want to add, as far as a, a credit and the FICO score, you know, uh, let the listeners know. Yeah, I would. Um, um, it's a good time to point out
0: that your mortgage credit score is different from mm-hmm. the score that that you would get um, looking on on any of the the apps or sites that that you have access to, access to as a consumer. Mm-hmm. So. Um, don't get too tied to what you see. It it, it does give you a good idea of where you're going to be, but you're there's, there's only one way to get your mortgage credit score, okay? Um, with, with that said, I think that every person should have a chat with a credit expert. Um, I've got one that I've trusted for over a decade. Um, if your score is 750 to a, above, you have it figured out so it's not for you everybody else speak to the expert you you should have an expert accountant in most cases you should have an expert um you should have an expert credit repair person you should have an expert mortgage person an expert realtor um there're certain things in life that you have to get right right um that's that's one of them and fortunately it's a discussion that you only have to have once oh, right Right. So, um w- with that said, um uh pr- prioritize it. it. it's important, but don't um don't don't try and do it yourself if you need credit repair. Um, be hesitant to to use one of these companies that's going to charge you $40 a month uh because most of them it's in their best interest to drag you along for a long period of time to make their money. Right. Right? Um, that would be part of the consultation, though. You know, okay. know where you're at. Come have a chat, and we'll make sure you talk to an expert. It's the best thing anybody could do because time is money. Right. Yeah. It's the one the thing fear. that you can't buy. Yep. Once you time lose it, it's gone. Can't get it back. So, yep. so um, true. You're going to have 30 years with excellent credit or 22 years or 17 years. In your life, the longer the period of time that you have with excellent credit, the the more time you have to leverage that excellent credit to build wealth and have the things that you want and have the highest quality of life you can. Yeah. So the, the, the thing that you, you can control is how soon you do it, and that's, that's back to our earlier point. And you're always going to fix it quicker. Having an expert do it, and don't find the expert yourself make sure the person that's telling you who to speak to is an expert in picking the person. Uh, and that that general line of thought, that general strategy uh, is is going to yield the best results, the highest percentage of the time.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to end it on that note, Eddie. I really do appreciate it. time is money. Time is money. Uh, right. Thank you, Eddie, Eddie Jackson of uh, Draper and Kramer Mortgage for joining me. Um, on this episode uh For The Way, The Way Is Forward. Um, again, my name is Keith Beasley. i want to thank all the all the listeners for tuning in and for listening. And if you have any questions, please feel free to contact me. Please feel free to contact Eddie. Again, the PowerPoint presentation um, will be available uh, to go along with this conversation. You can review the, the PowerPoint presentation as well. And, Eddie, if you just want to give the listeners your contact information real quick.
0: Sure. You can call me or text me anytime at two zero two five nine six four seven one zero um that number is going to be in the coffin with me when they bury me so you, you'll always be able to reach me at that number right for having me keith it was a it was a pleasure it's always good to talk chop and um I, i'd like to think that um us doing this is going to help is going to help uh, a number of families have better lives than they otherwise would have
1: i bet i hope so thank you again eddie thank you again for the listeners for listening in. Everybody be safe in the meantime, and we'll all talk soon.
0: Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye.